Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast, where we discuss sermons, theological ideas, and how to live for a story larger than ourselves. I'm Matt Cabot, an elder at Grace South Bay and host of the podcast. Today we're discussing our second sermon in our Advent series, Jesus and Modern Christmas. In a sermon titled Jesus and Busyness, Pastor Bob unpacks the familiar story of Mary and Martha and the problem of busyness. We'll discuss how Jesus addresses these two women, both of whom are trying to live out their faith. This is a timely passage for this season. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. So, so Bob, how is busyness self-imposed, and, and, and why do we do it? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good question, and it's important that the way that I was talking about busyness is kind of, um, it being self-imposed is kind of baked into the idea. Um, I was reading someone about this, and they were saying, look, there are, there's a single parent out there working two or three jobs mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to raise a few kids, and they're trying to remain housed and fed and clothed. Those people aren't busy. Those people are tired. Right. Yeah. right. There, there's a difference here, right? Mm. So, so, and most humans throughout history have been tired, right? right. <laughs> We're busy, right? Yeah. And busy is the sense that we are doing things um, that are not about our, you know, primary basic needs, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what this is about. And so um, we take expectations uh, from our culture, mm-hmm. from our social group, our family, uh, expectations of ourselves, right? And we put this onto ourselves and try to, you know, try to bear them, try to carry them. And it leads to this, what what we see described here in this passage of uh, distracted, mm-hmm. right? And, and troubled and anxious. So um, this is not someone who is simply working hard. We're not talking about working hard, right? right? We're not talking about trying to provide. This is something that has become... Uh, in some sense, self-centered. Mm-hmm. So many of us fear not looking busy. Why is that? Yeah, I think right because it has become a uh, a cultural value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, particularly in the United States, we 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 have merged hard work and success. The way mm-hmm. you become successful usually is through hard work. And so you might not be successful yet. I mean, a a badge of success is a really nice home or wonderful vacations Mm -hmm. or a fancy car usually. But now a badge of success or future success is just simply working really hard or actually being really busy, right? And so if you're really busy, if you're about a lot of things, right, if you're always kind of having to squeeze people into your calendar, you look successful, right? You look like you are on that path to success. And so... That's, that's one idea, is that there's just this cultural value of busyness. A- another way to think about it also, though, is uh, boredom. And, hmm. and, and there is a, a cultural fear of boredom. Mm-hmm. And, and some psychologists say, well, that's because actually boredom in, in our minds is the closest symbol to death, right? So hmm. if, if we're bored, right, we are in some sense, even subconsciously perhaps, reminded of, of death or that the, we are dying, but beyond that, we think about like um, how how technology in our culture has has worked and how it's sh- shaping our hearts and minds to ultimately 
grab our attention, but we, they grab our attention by distracting us, uh-huh. right? So, like, distractions yeah. are, are things that are now paid for, right? I mean, there, there are companies who are placing distractions in our way that will grab our attention away from what we are doing. So we are constantly moving from one thing to the next. Now we're choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're standing mm-hmm. in line waiting to buy something, mm-hmm. what do you do? Pull out the phone. You, maybe. you, you <laughs> pull out your phone. Yeah, yeah. You pull out your phone and you start right. looking to try to find something to distract you. Right. Like, God forbid, we stand, stand there. there and look <laughs> out into the distance and daydream about. I mean, the how right, awful right. would that be well, if we had nothing to do? Wasn't there like a, a, a Twitter meme about this too? That someone sitting at a Starbucks, not on their phone, right? And they and not on their computer, looking like a maniac. <laughs> exactly. Right. They yeah. are going to kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. Because what are they? doing to sit in there yesterday uh, we were in the orthodontist office and all the chairs were there in one big room and a bunch of young teenagers were getting work done on their teeth and every single one of them was on their phone and typing and something like what are they what are they typing about what are they doing While they're getting their teeth done. well yeah well, i mean in, 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 the in between the yeah. right yeah. and it's like i guess they're commenting on photos or something like that i don't know but it, it, it's happened now so that and and people and you know researchers are saying that actually our our, our our bodies are changing, right? Because mm-hmm. we constantly need that next distraction, that next attention that grabbing, hit, yeah, right? dopamine hit. Yeah. And and you know, there's um, who the guy who wrote Hamilton, uh, uh, Lynn Miranda, Lynn Rand- Manuel. Yes, um, he had this great article. He talked about kind of downtime and boredom as a kid, mm-hmm. and how valuable that was. Hmm. And and we know, um, pre- at least over the last 40 years, not just this most recent generation, but, you know, everyone knows the, the story of the kid going to the parents saying, I'm bored, right? right? I mean, and, and I think many people nowadays are all about, you know, okay, well, we're going to make sure that my kid never comes and says that to me. We're going to do this, this, right. this. We're going to be programmed and scheduled, right? But, you know, when my kids come to me and say, I'm bored, I say, good. Yeah. Figure it out. Mm. Right. Because this is imp- like to, to be able to just be with yourself with nothing to distract you. Right. What will you do? Like right. that is an, a really vital skill. And mm-hmm. it's something that we need uh, to recapture as human beings. So anyway, your your question is, you know, why why do we fear this? Why? Why do why do we want to look busy? Right. Our culture values it. We're actually our minds are being shaped to be constantly distracted, right. to be constantly busy. You're supposed to have, I mean, don't, doesn't someone look so important when they have multiple windows open on their right, computer? Right. Wow, they're really doing lots of stuff. Mm. I want to be like that person, right? right. So we are, we are facing this now. And what's so funny, though, is that it's perfectly described 2,000 years ago. Right, so this is not necessarily something new, right. but we are facing it in a unique way now. Well, let's talk about that then. In this passage, it, it contrasts Mary and Martha, and and both of these women are trying to live out their faith. Right? Yeah, these are these are not, you know, bad Christians. Right, they're not. Per yeah, se. they're, they're not, not followers sinning. of Jesus. Yeah, but why does Jesus praise Mary and not Martha? Yeah, I think what so what has happened is they they are both they both started out living out their faith, mm. right? And so we, we know Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet listening, um, and Martha has welcomed Jesus, right? And, and she is trying to organize this village reception mm-hmm. of Jesus so that many will hear the gospel, right? So, boom, they're both starting out good doing thing. great stuff, right? Yeah. But we know that at some point it changed for Martha, mm. and it stopped being about how do I help, how do I honor Jesus 
and and how do I make sure a number of people hear him? And it started becoming about her hmm. and her grievances. And we hmm. know this for a number of different reasons, but primarily because she yells at Jesus. Yeah, right? that's, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Don't you care? I mean, yeah, yeah she's, she's using a guilt trip on Jesus. Right. Then she yells at him and commands him, yes. tell my sister to help me. Right. right. So she's yelling at the person who she's so desperate to hmm. have everyone else hear from. Hmm. Right. And and the words that are used to describe her by, by Luke, that she's distracted, and Jesus, that she is anxious and troubled, right? These are these are things that are um, where, where Martha has taken her eyes off the prize, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. so she she starts with her faith, and it and it turns out to become about her and mm-hmm. perceived slights, and maybe there's a long history here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Mary might be kind of head in the clouds, always been this way, never helping out around the house, so tired of this, right? Like right. we don't know what this what 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 the backstory is here. Um, you know, we, we've talked—one one thing to say, it's like, what if Martha said something different to Jesus? Mm-hmm. What if she said something like, Lord, I, I'm tired, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, my feelings are kind of hurt that Mary isn't helping. Do you think you could help us— figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would have been amazing that, thing to say. That yeah. might have been a different, yeah. you know, Jesus might have had a different reaction then. Right. Right. But but this wasn't even about making peace with Mary. This wasn't about Martha trying to understand herself better and maybe her role in the situation. Right. This is just this is unjust. Something wrong is being done to me. You're the Lord. You mm-hmm. tell her mm-hmm. right to help me. And 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 man, when we get demanding like that, yeah. because we're wrapped up in our own stuff. Right, that's no more living out of faith. Right, that this is this has become a self-centered issue. Mm-hmm. The uh, the passage is is uh, a bit cryptic. I mean, it, when Jesus says Mary was doing one thing, mm-hmm. and that one thing was important. So, what is the one thing that he's referring to? And you know, in some sense, this is always going to remain cryptic, right? Yeah. I, when I preached on this years ago, we talked about um, city slickers. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> right. and, yes, and Curly, you did the one thing, one and he thing. dies. Right, right, the, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, what he says is that you know, it's you, you find, yeah, you find one thing mm-hmm. that you love, uh, or that you're, you know, you, you pick one thing and you just do that. Right. And um, you know, the way the way that I talked about it is that I I think that um, Martha's asking Jesus to send Mary away mm-hmm. to go help. And Jesus says, you know, she's chosen the one thing, and it won't be taken from her. And so that means that, you know, the one thing is this connection with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And she is at his feet, learning from him, and this is, again, a very privileged position to be in, and a very um, boundary-breaking position for a woman Mm -hmm. to be in, right? And so that's awesome. And he's saying she has chosen, he says, the better portion, right? There's, yeah. This is literally like, you know, imagine family-style mm-hmm. eating, right? And and she's chosen the good portion. Right. And sorry, Martha, you don't get to complain about it. She's mm-hmm. chosen it, and it's not going to be taken from her. Mm-hmm. Um, with the sort of implicit thing being, you could choose it too, Martha. Like, right. you could have this as well. So the way that we talked about in the sermon, and I, and I think is generally supported by um, scholarship, is that um, what she has chosen is to is to is this connection with Jesus, and what we talk about is giving herself to Jesus, right? It's it's the relationship with Jesus, right? 
that's more important, hearing from Jesus, right? This direct connection and communication with Jesus is more important than busyness for Jesus right. or service for Jesus. That was one of your key points, is that we need to give ourselves to Jesus before we give ourselves for Jesus. Why is that important? How does that change the way that we interact with God and, and those around us? Yeah, I, you know, like the thing that I said in the sermon to kind of— um, summarize that is that you know whatever you know whatever we give ourselves for like what the things we're giving ourselves for ultimately is what we give ourselves to and so if you're you know if you're giving yourself uh to uh, busyness uh for the sake of jesus or family or whatever else in the end you find yourself giving yourself to that thing right so if you're Mm -hmm. giving yourself away for your family to work right yeah you're ultimately giving yourself to work. Hmm. That's that's the issue, and that, and that's where we get we get so confused by that because we say we're sacrificing so much, and this is all for this person or these people or God or whatever else. And we realize that actually, in the end, it turns into this thing that we've been doing that becomes so important, or or it's all for ourselves. Yeah. And so we need to recognize that. You know, yes, doing stuff for Jesus is, uh, of course, important, and and He calls us to follow Him, and He calls us to be His His uh, witnesses and and to testify about Him. So there's he's, He calls us to sacrifice for Him. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things that He calls us to do mm-hmm. for Him, but what we but but the way that we do that without it becoming about us, without mm-hmm. it becoming a status symbol, without it becoming self righteous, is that we give ourselves to Him first right and that means that you know we we want our longings and our affections and our time and our desires to be focused on him and not the the uh, outcome or fruit uh, or even just simply the busyness of our ministry our work our labors whatever else mm-hmm. and um and I think that m- many of us struggle with that, particularly here in Silicon Valley, um, where we are being busy, where busyness is valued, where it looks really good, where we are doers, mm-hmm. we accomplish things. I mean, right. um, we are, many of us uh, are, are, are great um, project you know, uh, planners and developers. Uh, we can get stuff done, and we know how to do that. And when we, and when we do that with our spirituality, there's a lot of doing for Right? There's a lot of giving for, and there's not a lot of giving to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to be stereotypical about engineers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can, we're going to, many of us are engineers. Since neither of us are, <laughs> we're, 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 we're going right? to diss engineers, yeah, yeah. right? Um, we're just clients of the engineers. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, the engineers are great at, you know, breaking down a problem and spreadsheets mm-hmm. and these kinds of things and, you know, approaching things like that. And, um, what Jesus wants before that is this relationship, and it's yeah. not just engineers who struggle with relationships. We yeah. all do, right? Uh, relationships are hard and scary, and we don't have control over those. Mm-hmm. Most of us are pretty good at controlling a lot of outcomes, particularly around work or exercise or something like that. Yeah. We're not good at controlling outcomes around relationships, mm-hmm. but that's the first thing Jesus wants. And if we mm-hmm. don't have this deepening relationship with Jesus, then all this stuff that we're doing for him, mm-hmm. it ends up being about us. Yeah, and and yeah. and it actually, it, you know, God God redeems everything, but our initial hopes for what these things are don't come don't don't bear fruit. So, what do we gain then by stopping? Because this is a kind of a big thing at this time of year. 
stopping, opening the door of our heart to Jesus, and simply just being in his presence. Because you say we, we're, we're great doers, yep. but, but the idea of, of just being is uh, different for us. Yeah, there's... Um, and, and I think this is kind of like a, uh, a somewhat of like a mind shift in this sense. There's this great quote from Larry Crabb, who I very much enjoy, um, from his book Silence of Adam, where he mm-hmm. talks about um, even when there's nothing to do, there's always someone to be. Hmm. And that's a, a real hmm. kind of paradigm shift for me, and I think for many of us, is that what is it to to be somebody and to be in someone's presence and have nothing to do? Like, can we yeah, just even yeah. think about that? Right. Like, what does it look like to be in Jesus' presence and be doing nothing? Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, that, that this is one of the reasons why this passage has been used in this debate in terms of the active versus the contemplative mm-hmm. uh, Christian life for hundreds of years, 2,000 years. And I don't think that's really how this passage should be argued about, but, I mean, it does bring that up. What does it look like to, to be still mm-hmm. before God? And just, just being still for us, can we, can we practice that? Um, so on one hand... When we say I want to, I want to just be with Jesus. What that means is you are stopping, and you are pursuing, you know, in some sense, stillness, and that in itself is a fantastic practice, yeah. particularly right now. Right? right, that that's amazing. And some people do that just with kind of mindfulness meditation or whatever else. But then if you stick Jesus there on yeah. the other end, where yeah. it's not just yourself and you're trying to clear out all your thoughts sure. or whatever else, but now you know Jesus is there too, right? And and he is because he says he's with us by his spirit and mm-hmm. he dwells in us and his spirit is praying with us and for us and testifying right. to us that we are God's children. So we know God is here with us, mm-hmm. right? And if we can stop and be still and say, I just want to be and if possible, enjoy yeah. and connect with the God of the universe who condescends to dwell in me because of what Jesus has done. I just want to do that yeah. before anything else. Uh, that in itself begins to have an impact on you. Now, we can't manufacture feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we are not in charge of what we quote unquote get out of this. I mean, that's again our sort of American productivity sure. busyness. Sure, like, yeah. What's what the we ROI? <laughs> right? <laughs> I invested five minutes and I felt like nothing. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're going to approach God like that, yeah. guess what? You right. just crossed his boundaries. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. next week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're not going to do that, but um, but what we know is that if we aren't giving ourselves to Jesus on a regular basis, then we run the risk of all that we're doing for him mm-hmm. is ultimately for ourselves, really. So what does that look like? Do you spend five minutes? Do you spend ten minutes? Do you do it in the morning? you stop in the middle of the day? Nighttime. I mean, how do you actually make this work? It does not sound easy to do. Right. I mean, so we, I mentioned actually in the, I think in the Boundaries sermon, right, where it's God gives a, a one, uh, one day out of every seven mm-hmm. rhythm to the week, right? I mean, one out of seven days we're supposed to cease from work, right? It is a ceasing. Yeah. We stop from the, the work of, of providing for ourselves and for our family, that kind of thing. And then also on top of that, in that day, we are called to turn and enjoy what we've done and give God thanks for that, right, and engage God in worship, right? So that's the Sabbath as it was laid out in the Old Testament. 
and we know that that carries on into the New Testament, though the day changed, if people had the ability to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, slaves didn't get days off, but if people had the ability to, they not only worshipped on Sunday, but they also tried to rest. In addition to that, we know that the apostles were stopping about every three hours during the day to pray, mm-hmm. and these are just praying the hours which had been developed in Second Temple Judaism. Uh, we see hints of it in the Old Testament and also in the New at different hours of prayer that mm-hmm. the apostles were observing, and so they stopped and, and prayed. And I, I think, as I mentioned uh, sometime earlier this year, if there's one spiritual discipline, if you do one spiritual thing during the week outside of coming to church, let it be prayer, yeah. right? And, 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 and do it more than once, right? Pray mm-hmm. early and often. It, sure. is, it is, in my opinion, uh, just so much more important than Scripture reading and study. Not mm-hmm. that we don't study Scripture, but everyone can pray. Right. Not everyone throughout history has had the ability... Uh, or resources to be able to study Scripture. Mm-hmm. So prayer, and in whether it's one minute, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, whatever you right. can do, do right. And and in terms of ROI, because um, there is, there is fruit, right? It's <laughs> right, not, it, and it doesn't bring nothing. Exactly, yeah. it's, it, there is fruit. And what yeah. I would say is that when when you know when you have very little control over your time, mm-hmm. let's say you're just not whether whatever your job might be, or maybe mm-hmm. you're. Uh, stay-at-home mom with five kids or whatever. Right. Let's say you have no time. I believe that when you can then give God one minute of that zero time, yeah. God does more with that than someone who has nothing to do all day and right. gives God an hour. Right? I mean, we mm-hmm. know that's what right. God does. Sure. We know that that's how He operates. So there is an incredible ROI, yeah. right? When you have no time and you give God a minute, yeah. awesome things are going to happen. Now, mm-hmm. not necessarily right there in those sixty seconds, but like God takes that gift, right? That 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 mustard seed, that yeah. that nothing. He takes that and He does amazing things with it. So the more precious and valuable one minute is to you, mm-hmm. the more important that is when you give that to God. The more mm-hmm. He does with that. So. You know, I've talked That's about good. things. We talk about Phyllis Tickle, yeah. uh, who has put together all these different uh, uh, divine hours for mm-hmm. different seasons of the year. I use the Church of England daily prayer app, and um, and interestingly, there's a there's a time of silence written written into those services, mm-hmm. and I'll take that time, and even if it's just uh, a few breaths, yeah. I'll I'll do something, whether mm-hmm. it's addressing Jesus. Um, or just, you know, I'll breathe in repentance Mm -hmm. and breathe out demands and certainties, you know, like just something as simple as that, and it can be for 30 seconds, or it could be for five minutes, but just not even going through the prayer, but just stopping and being silent and being in God's presence without needing to get anything from Him um, is, is is a powerful and useful thing. And I think, Matt, ultimately it's like, people we we need to we need to do it like there yeah. it, it, it there is time yeah whether whether you're you go to the bathroom and mm-hmm. spend an extra two minutes in the bathroom mm-hmm. or whatever like there is time there's time for things that we value right. and prioritize right. what do you think that jesus wants most from us and you know we we I said this in the sermon or in the, and this was the illustration of the guy who kept dropping off his checks you know that that Jesus great, wants our great yeah. <laughs> Jesus wants our hearts, yeah. and uh, and what that means, you know, Jesus wants our love, right? Um, he wants our desires mm-hmm. to be set upon Him, right? And our hopes, and um, the things that we 
what we put our trust in, right? And we just saw last week with boundaries that Jesus entrusted himself to no man, and it's the same word, put his trust in mm-hmm. no man, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't put his trust in man. We don't put our trust in men. We don't put our trust in ourselves. We put our trust in Jesus. If we're trusting in Jesus, we're hoping in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's not just like we're trusting and hoping in him in the sense like we trust and hope that if I practice my swing, I'll hit a lot more home runs right. or something like that. Tr- trusting and hoping in Jesus is you're hoping in an individual who will love you back and care for you mm. and and ultimately make you new and redeem all things about you, right? So there is a, there's a relationship here. It's not just simply putting in my time and getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. There is a relationship. And to, to see Jesus as the highest good, the summum bonum, mm. Uh, who you will be utterly satisfied with and yeah. satisfied in. And that's why he's called a, our bridegroom, and we're mm. the bride. Like We can be ultimately completely satisfied in connection and union with him, and, and he wants us to know that. Yeah. He, he wants us to experience that. And so it's one of the reasons why he says to Martha, like, you— slow down mm-hmm. not, and not slow down in the sense of stop caring about the you know people in the village hearing about me but mm-hmm. first look at me do you see me yeah. martha <laughs> like yeah. i'm here right. you call me lord i'm here yeah, right? right the lord is in your house yes and that's what i was saying in the sermon like do you know jesus is in the living room right. he's here the person who loves you more than anyone else will ever love you. Hmm. The person who will turn everything bad about you and everything bad that's happened to you, he will turn it around and bend it for good somehow mysteriously because he died on the cross for you yes. and rose from the dead. Th- he is in you. Yes. Do you know that? Stop and enjoy that. Hmm. And then go and do stuff. You, there, you'll, you'll never get done with all the stuff you have to do, right? right Jesus true. said to his disciples, you won't get through all the towns of Israel, yeah. right? I mean, like, there's going to be tons of stuff to do, right. um, and, and there'll they'll always be more, and that's good, but so stop and recognize he is here with you, for you, loving you, and um, mm. and this is one of the reasons why, you know, I, I love fasting, because it, it kind of reminds you that these, these things that I like or these things that I get emotional benefit out of, yeah. um, they're, they're just nothing in comparison to mm. my creator and, and how he loves me and is with me and cares for me. So whatever you can do that can remind you um, that Jesus is the treasure, right? Yeah. And you're his treasure, right. you know? Stephen was talking today to uh, the preschool and... Um, and he was saying, you know, what do you think Jesus wants for Christmas? Well, he wants you for Christmas, hmm. right? Yeah. You're the Christmas present that Jesus most wants. Mm-hmm. And and knowing that, that what he most wants is you, your love, your affection, your trust, your loyalty. Um, man, you have you can give that. Yeah. You know, you're it, we can we can all give that to him. Mm-hmm. And and he gives us himself in return. And that that turns into a life that is beautiful, flourishing. Mm. It is free from um, these kinds of anxieties and troubles. Doesn't mean it's a pain-free life, right. but but is a, a life that can be filled uh, with joy, punctured with hope, um, and and ultimately brings good things wherever it goes. Well, such a great message for this time of year, and in fact, any time of year. So, Bob, thank you very much for doing this today. 
The title of the sermon is Jesus and Busyness. If you haven't listened to it, you can find it in all of our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. If you don't already, we'd love to have you join us for our weekly worship service. We meet Sundays at 9 a.m. at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose, California. Until next time, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.